We are going to wrap up this vision series this morning by looking at what it means to be generous. And I want to make this case this morning as we look at this last passage that we'll look at in the vision series. I want to make this case that a gospel-centered church, remember that is the key to our vision, a church committed to gospel centrality, the gospel above all things, the gospel above any message. But I want to make this case that a gospel-centered church, true gospel-centered church, produces a culture of generosity, a culture of sacrificial giving. A gospel-centered church produces a culture of generosity, a church committed and a culture committed to giving sacrificially. And we're going to look at the story of the rich young ruler this morning from Mark chapter 10. So if you turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31, we're going to look at a story that might be familiar to some, and for some, maybe not so, but follow along with me this morning. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, the story that's known to us as the rich young ruler. Let's hear the word of God. Starting with verse 17, it says, And he was setting out on his journey, and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have done all these things from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at these words. Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is for you to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel and who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, for the few moments that we have together before we partake in the Lord's Supper, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be reoriented by your grace. That grace that is life-changing. That grace that changes every aspect of our lives. Lord, help us to understand that it's not an issue of money. It's not an issue of giving. It's an issue of sacrifice. Point us to the one this morning who sacrificed it all so that we might have life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you live in a tent in Broward County, you're part of the 1%. If you live in a tent in Broward County, 
you are part of the 1%. You see, living in Broward County, in a tent, in North America, still makes you a part of the wealthiest 1% on the face of this earth. That's staggering. Simply by living in a tent in Broward County still makes you part of the wealthiest 1% on the face of this earth. You see, here in North America, we are wealthier than any nation has been in the entire history of the world. We have better access to health care and food and water and shelter than has ever been in the history of mankind. We have it living right here. The top 1% in the entire world. But here's another stat for you. Giving in North America to churches is at an all-time low. On the flip side, it has never been lower in modern history. Giving to the church or even giving to any nonprofit or parachurch ministry, it has never been lower than today. So we have the wealthiest nation on the face of this earth, wealthier than we have ever been in the history of mankind. Giving has never been so low. I told you last week that the church is the hope of the world and the hope of South Florida. And oh, by the way, we live in the most unchurched region in the entire country. I think we have a problem. Most unchurched region in the entire country, the hope of the world, the hope of South Florida, and giving is at an all-time low. So the question is, why do we talk about money? Why do we talk about generosity? You see, what I want us to look at briefly this morning in Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich young ruler, I want us to see at the end that it's actually not about money. It's not even about giving or generosity. You see, anytime the Bible actually mentions the idea of money or generosity or giving, it has very little to do with the actual dollars and cents and has everything to do with your soul. You see, I want to make the case this morning that it is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of your soul that needs to be addressed when it comes to money and when it comes to generosity. And I want us to look at this story of the rich young ruler. You'll see here in verse 17 that this rich young ruler runs. He's young and he runs. He more than likely was out of breath when he got to Jesus, but he was so excited to see Jesus. There was something inside of him that caused him to run and pursue Jesus. But what does it say? When he got to Jesus, what did he do? He knelt. Anytime you see the idea of kneeling in the Bible, it is, it, it, it is a posture of humility. It is a posture of desperation. And so by the rich young ruler kneeling in front of Jesus, yes, he's rich and he's got money and he's got power. But by him kneeling, he was admitting one thing. There's something missing in my life. You see, when he kneels in front of Jesus, it was an act of desperation. It was an act of humility. It was, a, it was his way of explaining to Jesus, I have it all. I'm young. I'm rich. I'm good looking. I got power. But there's something I'm missing in my life. And he thinks maybe, just maybe, Jesus has the ability to give it to him. He's rich and he's young and he's powerful. 
but he's empty. And it causes him to kneel before Jesus. But the first thing that we see here is Jesus interacts with him, and, he, and, and the rich young ruler wants to know, I, I've got it all, but I'm missing one thing. I'm missing life, eternal life. How do I get it? And, and, and he goes on to explain that, you know, you, you know the commandments. Jesus says all these things, and, and what does the rich young ruler say in his pride? Jesus, I've done them all. And Jesus says, no. So Jesus has the ability to look through all of the nonsense. He has the ability to look through all of the talk and look right into his heart and say, no, 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 no. There is something blocking your heart. You see, the first thing that Jesus does with the rich young ruler here in the, in the area of giving and generosity is he says it's not about, it's not about keeping the Ten Commandments. It's, it's not about this, that, or the other. It is about your heart. Because what happens at the end when Jesus says, this is what you actually have to do. You have to give it all away and give it to the poor. And it reveals the condition of the rich young ruler's heart. And what does it say in verse 22? It says that he goes away sorrowful. You see, the first thing that Jesus does here in the area of money and generosity is he reveals your first love. He reveals the first love of the rich young ruler. And what he revealed, he said, your first love is not God, even though you think you keep all the commandments, which we know is impossible. You think it's by all of the good things that you do and the acts of service. But he says, the only thing that really matters to me is the condition of your heart. You see, what money and generosity does, or the lack of generosity, it reveals your first love. It revealed the first love of the rich young ruler, and it reveals your first love this morning. Because what happens? When Jesus says, give it all away, he realizes what his first love is. His first love was his stuff. His first love was his possessions, and he couldn't part from it. And what does it say there? He went away sorrowful. Do you know where that word sorrowful is seen again? It's seen in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says Jesus goes away sorrowful. Why does Jesus go away sorrowful? It's the same word used both times. With the rich young ruler and with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because Jesus was being separated from his first love, his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Interesting that that word is used both times. When the rich young ruler is faced with the reality of being separated from his first love, his stuff, his possessions, his money, it causes him to be sorrowful, just as Jesus was sorrowful when he was separated from his first love, his father. So the first thing that Jesus does here, he reveals our first love. He reveals the first love of the rich young ruler, and he reveals your first love this morning. Would you be sorrowful if your possessions were taken away? If your stuff was taken away? Who is your first love? 
The second thing that uh, Jesus does here is he talks about the impossible. See, generosity always involves the impossible because it seems impossible. What does Jesus do? After the rich young ruler goes, the, the disciples are amazed. They're astonished. Why? Because they all realize that every single one of us has some level of richness or wealth or possessions. And what do they, go? What do they say to Jesus? Then who can be saved? And then Jesus gives this incredible incredible illustration. In verse 25, what does he say? He, he says, you've got this eye of the needle and you've got a camel. And he says, a, a, a rich person, a wealthy person, entering the kingdom of heaven, entering the kingdom of God is like a camel trying to go through the eye of a needle. And so many people throughout church history have tried to explain this away. Well, Jesus really didn't mean an eye of a needle, and he meant really this, the gates. And obviously, everybody realized that it's impossible for, an, uh, for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And they have tried to explain this away and make excuses for Jesus, and this is what he meant, and this is what he didn't mean. And I think, no, this this is exactly what he meant. He wanted to blow their minds. He wanted to present to them the impossible because generosity seems impossible. Why did generosity seem impossible? And why did Jesus use an impossible illustration of a camel trying to go through the eye of the needle? Let me ask you this question. What's the only thing you need to get into the kingdom of heaven? Need. The only thing you need to get into the kingdom of heaven is need. And what Jesus was trying to say is the more you have, the less you think you need Jesus. The more you have, the more you start to believe that I really have everything I need. And so what he was trying to say there, it's impossible. The more you have, the more you accumulate because you think all of your needs are ultimately met in what you have and what you possess, therefore making generosity impossible. Because if money and what I own and what I possess is meeting my deepest needs, or at least we think is meeting our deepest needs, then why in the world would I give it away? Because I need it. I have to have it. I wouldn't be anything without it. It's my identity. It's who I am. It meets my deepest needs. You see, generosity, or the topic of generosity, not only reveals your first love, it involves the impossible. It's the impossible of recognizing that you actually need something more than anything this world could provide. Because there's people at all ends of the spectrum here this morning. There's people that have a lot, and there's people that have a little. But every single person wrestles with this. If I lose a lot, I'll lose everything I need. If I get a lot, I'll have everything I finally need. And so Jesus says it's impossible. If you think your needs are ultimately met by what this world can provide, you'll never understand generosity. You'll never understand giving. You'll never understand what it means to give it all away because you need to first realize that Jesus meets you at your deepest need. So generosity or the lack thereof reveals your first love. It requires the impossible. And lastly, it requires a greater rich young ruler. You see, the story of the rich young ruler actually is not about one rich young ruler. It's about two rich young rulers. You say, I only read about one. 
Who's the other rich young ruler? Jesus. Was Jesus rich? Absolutely. Was he young? Was he a ruler? He left heaven. He left the riches of heaven and became poor. 2 Corinthians, I think we have it for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 reads what? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus, though he was rich, became poor so that you might become rich and inherit eternal life. You see, it requires a greater rich young ruler, and his name is Jesus Christ, who left the riches of heaven and became poor so that you might have a life. It requires a greater rich young ruler who's willing to sacrifice everything so that you might have it all. You see, the reason you need the greater rich young ruler, which is Jesus Christ, is because you will never understand generosity. You will never understand sacrificial giving. You will never understand what it means to give it all away until you stare in the face of the one that literally gave it all away so that you could live. You see, it's not about being the big giver. It's about being the big receiver. Where do we learn to be generous? Let's look at this video this morning. Here at the Ohio Air National Guard Base near Toledo. This is the 180th fighter wing. Lieutenant Colonel Frank Daly still can't believe the honor recently bestowed upon him. It's incredible being recognized uh, in such a manner. It happened at a Cracker Barrel of all places. As the security camera shows, Lieutenant Colonel Daly entered the restaurant on February 7th for an early lunch. At about the same time, eight-year-old Miles Eckert came in with his family. Miles, in the green hoodie, was very excited. He just found a $20 bill in the parking lot. Just sitting there? Yeah. Did you start thinking of what you could spend it on? I kind of wanted to get a video game, but then I decided not to. He changed his mind when he saw that guy in uniform. Because he was a soldier, and soldiers remind me of my dad. And so, with his dad in mind, Miles wrapped the 20 in a note that read, Dear Soldier, my dad was a soldier. He's in heaven now. I found this $20 in the parking lot when we got here. We like to pay it forward in my family. It's your lucky day. Thank you for your service. Signed, Miles Eckert, a Gold Star Kid. Army Sergeant Andy Eckert was killed in Iraq just five weeks after Miles was born. All the kid has ever had are pictures and dog tags. This is his wedding ring. Other people's memories and his own imagination. I imagined him as a really nice person and somebody that would be really fun. <laughs> the dad he imagines must also love a good story. Because after lunch that day, Miles asked his mom, Tiffany, to make one more stop. Excellent. He wanted to go see his dad, and he wanted to go by himself that day. She took this picture from the car. Follow the footsteps, and you'll see Miles standing there behind the flag, presumably telling his dad all about it. And whether heaven heard him or not, 
his good deed continues to impress here on Earth. You've read it more than once? I look at it every day. Kid gave you a bigger gift than $20. Uh, a lifetime uh, uh, direction, for sure. Lieutenant Colonel Daly says he's already given away the 20 and plans to do much more. He also hopes that little green post-it will inspire other people across the country to give, to give as sincerely and dutifully as this father and son. Wow. I watched it 10 times so I wouldn't cry. Um, powerful. Wow. $20 world says go buy video games. Where did that little boy learn to be generous? From his daddy. Where do you learn to be generous? From your dad. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only son so that you would never die but have eternal life. We learn to be generous. We learn to give because God gave it all. We learn to be generous from our Father. Coleridge, let's be so generous that we overwhelm South Florida with our generosity so that when they come here to Coral Ridge, they are so overwhelmed by how we give and how we serve and how we love. And then they realize this when they come. The reason they're so generous is because their God has overwhelmed them with generosity. That their God has given it all so that they might live.